Welcome, everyone. We are on episode 39 on the Decided Heart Effect, where we invite you every week to take action and be inspired to live with a decided heart. My name is Sonia, and I have my co-host with me, Hillary, and we are joined today by Katya Armistead. I think you've seen her before a couple of times. (laughs) She's Assistant Vice Chancellor and Dean of Student Life at UC Santa Barbara, but honestly, as you guys figured out, she's just our friend, (laughs) and we are hogging her up. She's been on episode three and 14. So if you want to know why we hooked on to Katya so quickly, um, you can kind of catch those episodes as well. So we are going to be doing things a little bit differently today, aren't we, Hillary? We are. We are living in the world of Cassandra today. We haven't never done a book review before, but what, but we're all pretty avid readers. And Cassandra Speaks was a book that Katya introduced to us there she goes. She's holding it up. I've got mine right here. I got mine for this. Yep, there we go. We have them all. For those of you who are listening, we're all holding our books up right now. And really, it started in January. We were all talking. And and uh, Katya was like, you know, there's this book I heard about. And we were really, let's just be honest, y'all. We were looking for an excuse to get together and just talk and have a glass of wine in Santa Barbara, which is what we did. But Katya said, I have an idea. There's this book I heard about. Cassandra Speaks by Elizabeth Lesser. Let's all read it and then get together and talk about it. Katya, why? Why this? I mean, it was obviously it resonated or we would not be bringing it up in it today. But why? What caught your eye and said, oh, Sonia and Hillary, we need to do this. Well, first of all, I came up with the idea because you two are my people. Like I could tell that we could have amazing conversations. I mean, I already had a relationship with Sonia, so that was a done deal, but meeting you, Hillary, just, uh, and, and talking about you doing book clubs and you're a lifelong learner. Um, it just resonated with me so much. And coupled with, I am an avid Brene Brown fan and listener of her Dare to Leave and Unlocking Us podcasts. And I had just heard her interview with Elizabeth Lesser and I was hooked. That's what got me. I was talking about, I mean, the subtitle, it's it's Cassandra Speaks, but it also says, when women are the storytellers, the human story changes. Mm. And I was so pulled in, I was so curious. And hearing her interview with Brene Brown and some of the things that she spoke about, even beyond this book, but other books that she's written and her life experience, coupled with, I'm 55. I act like I'm 12. (laughs) (laughs) But um, one of the things that I very much appreciate about being older is my wisdom and my experience. And Elizabeth Lesser really spoke to me in that way. I can finally like, oh, my middle's a little soft. Oh, well, but I feel better about myself than when I had a flat stomach, for example. So I just, everything that she says about that's so empowering for women really resonated with me. And I wanted to share that. And I was excited to go on that journey of reading the book with you two. So that's, that's why I chose it and suggested it that we read it together. And I just, I mean, I'm very grateful for that. I have to admit out of the three of us, I'm probably not as an avid reader. And I was the one like, do we have to read a book? Can we just enjoy wine and talk? 
Um, and I just have to say, you know, I guess I was a little bit on the defense side, like, oh, another book about women empowerment, another book about feminism and the way of the rhetoric of we have to go all full on out other side of the story to fight for that, for the equal kind of um, recognition. And so I was a little bit like, okay, I'll give this a try. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, of course, the tagline, you know, um, was in intriguing. And I think Katya, I, I was curious. It really made me curious. But El Elizabeth Lether Lesser's voice spoke to me so well because, and if I can just read the quote that really drew me in, what I, this is what um, Elizabeth says, what I dream of most is women and men mixing traits and words up. They're blending it all together, tempering power with wisdom, giving muscle and prestige to love and nurture. That's where she sold me. That was page 14, by the way. So it was kind of early. Thank goodness. It was early in the book to say, wait, she <laughs> wants us to blend. She wants, she, we're not fighting for one side or the other. We're, we're kind of raising up our own voices as women so we can meet, we can be in the middle together, right? You know, one more thing I wanted to say or something that was so fantastic for me to read this book. And it, I wanna share this because of something you said, Sonia, in terms of, oh gosh, what's this book gonna be about? You know, Is it not allowing us to, to be soft? Is it not allowing us to to want to like home keep or you know like is it one of those that shames us for some of the gifts that we have as women or things that we want to be um which it absolutely is not but um for me i had to look it up on my phone that's why i was looking down a little bit i had with a book club read the book the power by noemi alderman and it's a really good book but it freaked me out because it was this notion of women being in power, like flipping the script, flipping the narrative. And they pretty much became world leaders domination. And that's what it was, it was domination. And it was almost like flipping from the man to woman, even down to the raping and pillaging in the war. And I was a little bit depressed, not really, but just, sad when I finished that book, like, oh my gosh. So if we did flip it, we could, we could be just as bad. But what Elizabeth Lesser taught me was we are socialized. It's in our DNA to how we've responded, how misogyny has persisted, how women have been following a particular narrative. It's not even that we're just taught, but it's just the way we've been socialized and how we're born, what we're born into. And so it just made me feel so much better because there's still hope. And if we have these open discussions and if we rewrite the narrative, it doesn't have to be like when women are in charge, we just do the same thing that's happened over decades. Right. Absolutely. Well, and it's so interesting because there's a simultaneous um, call to action that is very empowering at the same time that there's this acceptance that's also delivered. Mm -hmm. And I found it to be so interesting because the first page five was what hooked me. And I, I and then as I kept going, it got even better and better. But there is this, I mean, Cassandra Speaks, let's back up for a second. Cassandra mm -hmm. Speaks is a reference to a mythological character, a prophetess, right? A prophetess who, because she was scorned, 
or sorry, because she scorned the, um, you know, one of the gods, he said, you are going to be cursed to walk the earth and speak the truth and see the truth, but no one's going to believe you. And the thing that resonated with me about how, and you will go crazy because of it. Right. And I think about that. And I think the funny thing is, is that's, that's not just about other people not listening to us. We so often, as Glennon Doyle would say, don't listen to our own knowing. We're, we don't believe ourselves and we question ourselves. And so that's where part of that curse comes in, if you will, right? And so she has this, Elizabeth Lesser has this line where she says, stop whining. Are you going to be a doomed prophetess or are you going to find a different voice and save your city? Oh my gosh, it just spoke to my heart because it's like, okay, well, he's not listening to me and I can't be in power and they don't blah, blah, blah. And that's about everybody else. And to me, the city meant so much more. This starting to save the city starts out with myself, my soul, my heart, my city, right? And then it's my family and then it's my community and then it goes beyond. But if I don't start with fully understanding and trusting and believing in who I am in my own voice and using that with all the softness, not somebody else's with the compassion, with the detachment, you know, I always tell people vulnerability and truth telling, those are my superpowers. And you can complain, you can tell me all you want that you think they're a weakness, but I will not believe you anymore. I refuse to believe that those are weaknesses because nothing gets done without vulnerability and truth telling. I just, I think that is so true. And so Oh, I, sorry. I just feel like I'm on my, I just want to be like, amen. I feel like I'm in church right now. And that's how I felt reading Cassandra as I don't have to be anybody else other than authentically who I am using those skills yep. to create my own revolution. Well, you can't change. She says this in the book, you can't change other people, but you can change yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And then she also talks about learning from a Zen master, straight back, strong back, soft front. Mm. vulnerability that you can have as long as you you don't take shit (laughs) yes yes I I have to admit too um I I knew I was a nurturer since I was a child um it was my my father my sister and I and I I automatically took the mother hen and I know that we're going to talk about the stories that we have listened to since childhood being the domestic person the nurturer I grew up thinking that was inferior of some sort. Like it was, so what I want to emphasize in terms of Elizabeth Lesser's point is this definition of power. And that I grew up with stories that power looked and felt, there was such very tangible definition of what that was. It was the military. It was anything that was violent to to win something over. It was competitive, all all of these things, the, the traits and the words that we use. And I, I, did, I didn't tell myself that I'm less than, but I just knew that me being a nurturer was just like, oh, that's sweet. That's so nice of you, right? I didn't think of it as a superpower. So one of the, the big images that came into my mind is in this book is when she talked about, I think it was galleries or exhibitions of remembering what it is to, to I'm gonna say to be an American, it may not be um, on point exactly, but we see tanks, the development of rocket ships and things that are big and powerful, right? And she questioned, why aren't we seeing inventions of the washing machine? 
the dishwasher, the ironing board, the, the domestic inventions that have completely revolutionized our, our work, our jobs, our daily life, quality of life for every person, not just for women. And, and that, sorry to interrupt, but I do, I just, I would be amiss, but to say a lot of black women. Oh, yes. Thank you. Katya. Invented those things. So black oh, lives matter. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that. And, 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 and that to me, okay. So I'm in my forties and it was the first time where I was given, and I'm going to say the permission because I think for myself, right. To say, wait, my nurturing bone, everything that I, I love and enjoy in terms of my leadership style is powerful. And to, to say that, I mean, even to say that now I want to cry mm -hmm. because I was never, I was never allowed to hear those stories. Mm -hmm. Well, and the stories that we were told so often growing up, I mean, did any of you, did either of you have the, that aha moment? She reimagines a couple of the stories we grew up with, like Adam and Eve. Eve. Oh, and the story, you know, we've been told she was the sinner. She was the sinner for so long and how that infiltrates our everyday language and messaging and impacts how we view ourselves throughout. I, I just, there was a, an example of a, and it struck me as, oh my God, I've heard that a million times uh, of a principal that was, I believe it was in Tennessee who was talking about dress code and in a presentation to the parents said, you know, you want to know why there's a dress code? Well, blame the girl. It's always a girl's fault. Just ask Eve or just ask Adam, however it was. And it's like, whoa, like, okay, that I know you meant to be funny, but let's really sink into, we know the more we hear a message over and over and over and over again, the more it becomes a part of our subconscious. So at what point is it no longer funny? Ha ha. And does it just become this, oh, wait, I'm inferior. Oh, wait, I'm a sinner. Oh, wait, if I do this, I'm not right. Oh, wait, I have, I'm, I'm the problem. It's always my fault. I mean, man, we could unpack, unpack so much uh, in there. And he ends it with, um, and get used to it. Like women are always going to do this to you. When I was, my son was younger on a soccer team and I was coaching his team. And, and I know Sonia can resonate with this. She's a amazing soccer coach and player herself. Um, and the referee brings the 10 year olds together and their boys and says, you know, I don't want to see y'all being girly girls. And I was like, wait, whoa, hold on. Excuse me. <laughs> what is the message here? What, what does this got to do with anything? First of all, and what exactly is a girly girl? Like, don't cry. Don't get upset. Don't show any emotions. Don't show feelings. What message are you trying to convey to these boys right now? I was so offended and I spoke up. But I'm so glad like, that you did. I'm so, I mean, I'm so glad that you did because, but I think in Sonia as well, I, I felt like coming out of this book, I've been complacent and compliant yeah. with a lot of the messaging without like, because I hadn't, I hadn't even realized it. And she sort of says, what if Eve was actually the first grown ass adult yes. who said, Hey, there are choices we have to make and we have to decide what to do. Let's weigh the options. Yep. Exactly. Like it's about wisdom. It's about curiosity and it tastes good. <laughs> right. Let me, um, so 
going back to why I was hooked and I was like determined to read this book and so glad that you both were in the journey with me, even though we had to kind of pull Sonia along a little bit, but you know what? She wasn't that hard to convince. Um, in Brene Brown's interview, cause that's what hooked me to this book. Um, something she talks about and in the interview, Elizabeth Lester actually reads this, this passion. Um, she, she, in the, the, chapter titled Women, Power, and Shadow. And those who are listening or who are intrigued, even if you start with the interview with Brene Brown, I promise you're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to read this book. She reads the passage. I'm going to read it real quickly. All my life, I've toggled between being an activist, someone interested in healing and changing the world around me, and an innervist. That's a word I made up to describe the part of me that seeks interchange inner healing. I've never regarded activism and innerism as mutually exclusive. In fact, one keeps the other in check. If we focus only on fighting that we perceive to be wrong out there, we miss out the very real work waiting to be done within our own hearts and our minds and our lives. If we don't look at our blind spots or projections or hypocrisies, we can end up doing what Frederick Nietzsche warned, he said, "Whoever fights monsters should see it to fights monsters should see it that in the process he does not become a monster." Mm. So, I'm working with some students from a small private school, black students, who are really struggling, being five black students at this school, and they're they're rightfully upset, have trauma when someone uses the N word or is insensitive. And I had a conversation with them last night that absolutely they should, you know, strong back, like don't take shit. Also, like canceling them, shutting them down, that's not helpful. We need them to grow and learn so that they can become allies and better people. Fighting the monster doesn't mean we should become a monster. Pain uh, people who are hurt, hurt other people. And that's that inner work and figuring out what we are trying to combat and change and, and do it with that vulnerability and compassion with a strong back <laughs> and figure out how you can move people because you can only change yourself and you can model it, but let's not become monsters in, the, in that work. So that's, that's when I was like, I need to read this book. Absolutely. And I, I mean, how aligned is that with just decided heart, right? I mean, we're, we are challenging others to really do that inner reflection work and say, where, where am I today? How did I get here? Let me take time to really pause and dig deep in that. Um, one of the things that this book has also give, given me the courage to do, if I, I can jump a little bit ahead, um, is that um, Elizabeth Leffler has said, you know, one of the things you can do is take someone to lunch. Someone who's just different from you. Maybe you've shared ideas and thoughts and beliefs that are in conflict. And maybe, I, like you said, Hillary, I have become complacent in those conversations. So one of the big things I did was I wanted to invite my husband to lunch because I, you know, I, and I understand his upbringing as well. Um, 
Hispanic, if even, if, even when I say this, he's going to be like, it's not my context of my upbringing, but there is a lot of power in terms of the masculine side. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tried, I took him, I didn't literally take him to lunch. It was like these mornings of chiseling this book um, out with him. And, you know, the pushback was, babe, you know, resources are resources. They're going to run out. And when the resources run out, there's going to be a fight. And I, I'm still trying to figure out a way to, to be more assertive. I, I need more language. I need more words. Because again, mm -hmm. this is, I'm like being reborn. And so I asked him, I said, I don't know how to articulate what, what, what Elizabeth Lesser and Cassandra wants me to say right now. Can I ask you, can you read the book? And I feel like this book could be read by everyone. It's not just a book for women. That's, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really important too that everyone should read this book because it is enlightening to, to chisel down or chisel up what, what our thoughts and behaviors are. So it's still a work in progress for me, um, but I do thank her for giving me the courage to even ask someone very close to me, my husband, out to lunch. I love that. I love that so much. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that too, Sonia. And I, I think one of the things that struck me that taking somebody out to lunch reminded me, I felt like it was mirroring um, the, the book cast. She calls for um, Isabel Wilkerson at the end of it, end of it calls for radical empathy and radical empathy being not just, oh, well, let me see it from your side, but then being still apart from it in a way where you are still, how would I react in that situation? And that idea of taking someone to lunch and radical empathy to me is really, no, let's not have a series of monologues. Let's mm -hmm. have an actual dialogue where I'm curious and I'm asking the questions. So I understand your context, your reasons, your background, because you bring all those to the table in the discussion, right? Of course, I would react differently if I were in your situation. I don't have any of the context you have but we forget that. And it really is, I think the biggest thing that came out of this book and, and quite frankly, like I said, I feel like those two books, reading them at the same time was really powerful for me. Um, I came out of it with this one question, which is who says, when the messaging is coming before something comes out of my mouth, before I go in a direction, before I should on myself, all of that, I'm starting to ask myself who says, Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And, it, and as we're doing this work, our innerism work, um, I, I am also parallel thinking about since we all three of us work with young people, how, how do we help them do the same thing, question messaging, question where it's coming from, interrogate the information that they're receiving because um, I think that will help them navigate all of the different things that are thrown at them all the time. It's so different. Like I'm older than both of you, but not so much older that you don't also have the same experience of lack of social media when we were growing up, like instant, instantly. Like as soon as Biden says something, as soon as Trump said something, we were bombarded, you know, Twitter, Trump and his Twitters. That really set a narrative and it was so easy to react and be angry or, or love him. God help you. All of that good stuff. Um, we don't 
slow down and interrogate the information, digest it, create opportunities to really understand and to hear like this idea of take to lunch, whatever that looks like. So I, I'm really hoping that, I mean, I, I already see the three of us really digesting this and thinking about how do we work with our young people and get them to start thinking in those ways as well, because I think it'll only make them feel better about themselves. Because right now, the way social media is, you tend to feel bad about yourself. Well, that person looks perfect, or someone says that, or they, I want to cancel that person. I'm going to unfollow that person. And this is the opportunity to think, well, for me, some of my take to lunch is I do have some pretty conservative friends on Facebook, some friends I grew up with. And as long as there's not someone for me who is being demeaning and just mean, I make myself read their posts. I might even converse a little bit with them. Like, tell me more, help me understand where you're coming from. Just so that I understand their perspective before I wanna cancel them or unfollow them. And, and you know, sometimes often I found it's just that they haven't done a lot of looking into something. And so me just sparking, asking a few questions gets them to do that and gets me to better understand where they're coming from. So it's the responsibility I think that three of us have taken very seriously of doing the work ourselves and giving the tools to the young people we work with so that they too can do it. And I admire that about both of you, I really do. Katia, that's, that means so much because looking at the work that you do on a regular basis with your students and how powerful it is, well, and beyond that, I mean, it, you are absolutely right and, and you are such a safe space. And I think, uh, you know, we, everybody cringes uh, right now. I think not everyone, but there's a cringiness about safe space. They're like, oh, snowflake, blah, blah, blah. But let me, let me dive into what that means and why I admire you so much in that. And I think what we can do for our youth, safe space is you're not going to get canceled for answering the or asking the question. How are you ever going to grow and learn unless you say, okay, this is something that I'm thinking about. Tell me another perspective or how can I find out another perspective and the cancel? What that does is I keep thinking of the blinders with the, with yes. the, uh, you know, in a race, right. Where, where they, they do that on purpose so that they're just, you are getting to the finish line. There's no community there. There's no, that's just about you. And so we have to look from side to side to make sure that we all cross the finish line together. Um, and that only happens when we start to get curious. And, and that was such a strong, you know, again, this, this, this book, we have to stop. And what's going on in my head right now is the Wonder Woman uh, conversation that she had where she's like, Wonder Woman has the lasso of truth. She has, she can speak every language she has negotiation skills. And yet in the movies that we see, she basically just kicks ass like a man does, but like, wow, because it's a woman. And, in, and what's so sad is you go, and not that women can't kick ass. I mean, I'm a black belt, like, like I'm just saying, but, <laughs> but what's interesting is that it's like, she can't, I know the sounds, I don't know how to articulate this, but it's like, she can't stand up for herself in the movie. Right. She's right. just written into that character, but I want to see Wonder Woman be like, y'all, I know you're having me do this, but instead I'm going to get all these countries to come together. Let's have a conversation. We're going to sit down, yeah. going to sit down and we're going to talk. And there has to, there, there is a time where we need, where force does speak at times. 
does it have yeah. to be the first thing? And, and what, what, how can we value those things equally and, and look at, at um, those things being a balance, that yin and that yang? And, and share resources. You know, it's, it's like, you know, clearly I'm a liberal, right? I'm, that's DNA right now. That's where my belief systems, but my gosh, like there is so much to be learned from being fiscally conservative, thinking about, about money. How can we change things where we're not in debt? Like I need to understand that, listen to that. And what happens is there's this thick layer of noise that's on top of my narrative, on top of someone who thinks differently than narrative. And that's where we fight, right? Where we get down to, wait, we both want to be physically, fiscally responsible. We both want to get rid of houselessness. We both want everybody to have food to eat. We both want everybody to have access to healthcare and um, education. When we look at the fundamental things that our values overlap and, and what we want for our community, I think we get really close. It's just how to there. And I think that's where we need to negotiate and negotiate and compromise, talk through stuff. But this layer of crap that's on top, yeah. you know, like we can't get through that. It's really thick because I feel attacked as a black woman. They feel attacked that you're trying to take this away from me. And it's not that we all actually can have equal amount of power. And I use the word in terms of what we're starting to move towards in terms of feeling empowered and not having over someone, but where we could be our strong, authentic selves. And we got to get through this layer of crap before we can get there. I think this is just such a great way to end this book review. I hope it entices others to be like, Cassandra Speaks again? But what is that book? Cassandra Speaks by Elizabeth Lesser. Um, I know that we wanted to end with the passage, right, Hillary? I do. I would love to... Uh to just read this last pass passage. And thank you again, Katya, for rumbling with us on this. And oh. Oh, look at me, I said rumble, which is like a, a right, right? <laughs> and we're gonna continue. The thing is, is I, I think everyone knows like, okay, this is this this is work that is that continues to evolve. It's not like, oh, a great conversation, done. Let's move on to the next. It's, and then that, and that's when we know we are doing the right work. It, it right. takes time to evolve and, so thank you. Yeah, and I would love to, in, I would love to invite our listeners and our viewers to engage with us on it. Let us know if you've read it and what you think and tell us, and we'll even include some of your excerpts in, in the work that we're putting out there as well. So we would love to hear from you. Yeah, take us out to lunch. All right. Yes. Well, I love it. I love it. I believe women around the world are going through a collective rite of passage, a walkabout through the wilderness of changing times, one that each of us make must make on our own, but one we are also making together, inspiring and protecting each other and leaving breadcrumbs as we go. <sighs> I am so grateful to both of you to be on the walkabout together. The fact that I know, as you said, Katya, we are leaving those breadcrumbs for our daughters, for our sons, for the next generation, for those students to say, yes, we can listen to one another. Yes, we can look at power differently. Yes, we can reimagine the history and the story 
um, and being told with all of our collective voices instead of just through the voice of one person or one one gender. So thank you so much. Any last thoughts before we close it up? I appreciate you both. Thank you for me. So everyone, I hope you enjoy this interesting episode. We're gonna, we're actually, we're going to introduce here and there some book reviews that we feel that is powerful. And again, like Hillary said, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you've learned, if, if this is something that you enjoy in terms of um, convincing you, persuading you to read some really good books out there. I mean, these two are, for me, I may become an avid reader, who knows? So thank you all for joining us uh, with The Decided Heart Effect. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I know Apple has turned into a follow rather than subscribe. So follow us on Apple, subscribe mm -hmm. on Google, Spotify, all those things. Um, and just make sure, like, take a breath be still, do the internal work, and find that courage to live with a decided heart. Thank you guys. <laughs>